0: For an episode requested by my producers, I had to throw in something for my producers and always know. It's a balmy, cloudless evening on March 8th, 2014, as all 227 passengers and 12 crew boarded the flight from Malaysia's capital of Kuala Lumpur, bound for its destination in Beijing. Little did they know they would never make it. This is a story, at least as much as I can discern and as much as I've been able to deduce with a little bit of my my theories and my thinking about it, about the greatest air mystery ever anywhere. This is the story of a flight number that everyone knows and everyone has heard of. This is the story of MH370. It's an international passenger jet flying from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. Um, I'm losing my notes here. The air co- I was re- I'm reading from a lot of notes that I took, and I'm losing some of that notes as well. And as what's going to happen again, what's going to happen again in a few minutes, is on uh, my notes that I take on my tablet, and also on from Wikipedia and other sources, The page might jump a little, so I might lose my place, and I apologize for that, but that's going to happen. The aircraft, a Boeing Trip 7-200ER, operated by Malaysia Airlines, last made voice contact with ATC, Air Traffic Control, at 0119 Malaysia time, March on March 8th, when it was over the South China Sea less than an hour after takeoff. Shortly, it disappeared from ATC radar, but was still tracked on military service radar as it turned sharply away from its original northeastern course to head west back across the Malay Peninsula, continuing that course until leaving the range of military radar at 0222, while over the Andaman Sea, 200 nautical miles northwest of Penang Island in northwestern Malaysia. The multinational search effort for the aircraft, which was to become the most expensive aviation search in history, <coughs> began in the Gulf of Thailand and the South China Sea where the aircraft signal was last detected on a secondary surveillance radar and was so soon and was so soon and was soon extended above the strait of malacca in the andaman sea analysis of satellite communications between the aircraft and inmarsat satellite communications network concluded that the flight continued until at least 8190810819 and flew south into the southern Indian Ocean, one of the most inhospitable, hard to discern, hard to find anything areas of the planet, although the precise location has not yet been determined. Australia assumed charge of the search on March 17th, when the search effort began to emphasize the southern Indian Ocean. On March 24th the Malaysian government noted that the final location determined by the satellite communications was far from any possible landing sites and concluded flight MH370 ended in the southern Indian Ocean. From October 2014 to January 2017 a comprehensive survey survey of 46,000 square miles of sea floor, about 1,100 miles to 970 nautical miles southwest of Perth, Australia, yielded no evidence of the aircraft. Several pieces of marine debris found on the coast of Africa. On the Indian, on the Indian Ocean islands, off and on the Indian Ocean islands off the coast of Africa. The first, excuse me, I'm in a cough here. <coughs> Allergy coughs again. i lo- See, there's where I was talking about losing my place. I uh, first first discovered on July 29th, twenty fifteen. On reunion the island reunion have all been confirmed as pieces of MH 370 the bulk of the aircraft has not been located prompting many theories about its disappearance on January 22nd 2018 a search by private US marine exploration company Ocean Infinity began in the search zone around degrees south, 92.8 degrees east, the most likely crash site according to the according to the drift study published in 2017. In a previous search attempt Malaysia had established a a joint investigation team to investigate the accident, working with foreign aviation authorities and experts Malaysia released a final report concerning MH370 in October of 2017. Neither the crew nor the aircraft's communication system relayed a distress signal, indications of bad weather, or technical problems before the aircraft vanished. Two passengers traveling on stolen passports were investigated, but eliminated as possible suspects. Malaysian police identified the captain as the prime suspect, if human intervention were the cause of the disappearance, as many, many believe it has been. After clearing all others on the flight of suspicion over possible motives, power was lost to the aircraft satellite data, data unit SDU at some point between 0107 and 0203. The SDU logged logged onto INMARSAT satellite communication network at 0225, which was three minutes after the aircraft had left the range of radar. Based on analysis of the satellite communications, the aircraft was postulated that to have turned south after passing north of Sumatra, and the flight continued for six hours, with little deviation in its track, ending Assumably, presumably, sorry, when its fuel had been exhausted. With the loss of all 239 on board, MH370 is the second deadliest incident involving a Boeing 777, and the second deadliest incident of Malaysian airlines in Malaysian Airlines history, second to Flight 17 in both categories. Malaysia Airlines was struggling financially, a problem that was exacerbated by the decrease of ticket sales after the disappearance of MH370, as well as the downing of Flight 17. The airline was renationalized by the end of 2014. The Malaysian government received significant criticism especially from China, from failing to disclose information prompting de- prompt de- promptly during the early weeks of the search. MH370's disappearance brought to public attention the limits of aircraft tracking and flight recorders. The FDR, the Flight Data Recorder. Commonly, you might also hear FDR or DFDR, Dig- Digital Flight Data Recorder. and the CVR, Cockpit Voice Recorder which, I believe, if a plane is submerged both boxes have a pinger or have a uh, have a something on a pinger that's the best way to say it, I can't think of another word other than to say a pinger that works for 30 days so, either both boxes will emit a pinging sound for 30 days once 30 days are passed the chance of finding them is nil Flight 370's disappearance brought to public attention the limits of aircraft tracking and flight recorders. Then lost my place. In response to Flight 370's disappearance, the International Civil Aviation Organization adopted new standards for aircraft positioning, reporting over, an o- reporting over open ocean, extended recording time for cockpit voice recorders and starting from 2020 new aircraft designs will be required to have a means of recovering the flight flight recorders for the information they contain before they sink into the water what a lot of the theories that has been posed because no one knows one of the lot of theories that was posed was that there's no one knew so they were thinking of different theories was fire a theory they had quickly well not quickly but they had quicker than normal they had ruled that out nothing that had had occurred on the flight had exhibited any characteristics of of scarring that would have scarred the plane and nothing when the flight was in when the plane was in contact Nothing had exhibited characteristics of something burning on the, on the plane. Uh, so that that was thrown out. Another one that thought was they could have thought was the hijacking. Could the plane have been stormed by terrorists or been hijacked? And they thought that that might have been possible when they were looking into the two, pe- the two people who I mentioned earlier who had gotten on the plane with stolen passports. They kind of Put a little bit more theory. And a little bit thought behind that. Uh, they eventually ruled that out as well. They didn't think. That was possible. Now. According to what a lot of people have said in reports. And I want to say. I want to say at the time. Australian Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Um, I had seen several reports. And you'll see in a documentary. I had posted. In the podcast Facebook community. That. They talk about the, the possibility that he said he might believe. In the documentary he said that. The possibility that it was a murder-suicide. A mass murder-suicide. A lot of people who knew Captain Zahari Ahmed Shah, a lot of people who knew him said, this is I don't believe that. That is impossible. This never would have happened. This this, this is not who he was. That's not who he is. No one can know that. No one really knows that or can know that for sure. Except Captain Shaw. <coughs> Although, belief of what has happened kind of suggests that. Now, George Carlin... I'm going to censor this a little bit. George Carlin said, so when, so when you're not paying attention... It, he he made a joke. Well, it's you know it's the quiet ones you gotta watch. Well, if you're not paying attention, or while everyone's looking at the quiet one, a noisy one will frickin' kill you. So, <laughs> George Carlin made that joke, but it's also to say that while everyone's looking at the quiet ones or ruling out the quiet ones, he's not this, he's not that. By thinking that way, you may be ruling out something that one is either glaringly obvious that you're missing. Or by saying he's not this, he's not that. You had... You're completely throwing it out. You're completely ruling it out. And what they think about the mass murder-suicide... As you'll see in the documentary was that there was enough, there was something going wrong with Captain Shaw. That they didn't, something had happened to him. That after a certain period of time, while the flight, after the flight had taken off, when it headed out on its normal course towards Beijing, uh, the communications satellite, satellite, the communications was switched off that indicates that something it wasn't that something happened to the plane that switched that caused that to be deactivated it's the indication is that something manually switched it off it was actually turned off so that indicates to people who investigate if i know you're thinking just what i thought whoa so a lot of that indicates to me and to a lot of people who investigate it um, that this was intentionally done. That Captain Shaw disconnected the communication, the saddle, the the connections with with ATC. He visit intentionally turned it off. Now, what all investigations of every plane, not just MH370, what all investigations of every plane has said is that you can switch off whatever communications that you want you can disconnect whatever communications that you want and somehow the plane is still going to maintain contact with something whether it's through Inmarsat or whether it's through other satellites or military whatever it's going to communicate somehow in some way so there's going to be some way that the plane will let something know where it is um and that is out of the pilot's control. It's out of the pilot's control. Pilots don't know about that. Well, maybe they do, and they just they have no connection to it or can't control it. Um, so the plane, after, after a certain amount of times, planes' engines emit a signal or they emit, they emit a sound or something to Inmarsat and to other satellites in the area that tell them where the plane is. So they can tell from as the plane was crossing over the andaman sea it, the it was still emitting signals and it was still and the engines were still emitting signals that created <clears throat> as it flew it created what's called arcs or in this case in the case of mh370 seven arcs around from where the plane was and they could tell where the plane was traveling at those times throughout those seven arcs so as the plane was was going into the southern indian ocean or going towards the southern indian ocean through Inmarsat and other and other satellites they could tell where the plane was now when it got to a certain i believe when it got to the seventh arc i want to say when the plane got to the seventh arc something happened where it lost what they think happened was by the time the plane reached the 7th arc, it lost fuel. It started to lose fuel. And it started to lose power. And it was no longer transmitting signals to Inmarsat and other satellites. So they think, at that point in the 7th arc, it stopped. That is where the plane went down. That is where the plane crashed. So what they're thinking happened is somewhere along the 7th arc the plane went down, the plane crashed and somewhere in that line where it crashed and a little bit beyond that is where they'll find the the crash remnants of the plane they know a lot of people have been hoping and I can't blame the survivors the survivors' families that's what I mean to say I can't blame the survivors' families for holding out hope that the plane is intact somewhere because I, I don't blame them at all if you hope you can find the plane intact so that you can find some remnants however may it may whatever there's whatever these remnants and and remnants may be you're hoping you can find something from your loved ones from people who passed away in the plane you can you're you're hoping that but Evidence, as you as you heard, by the debris that washed ashore in Africa and in Réunion Island, that that's not what happened. It's not intact. What they're saying, what they think happened, is the plane crashed, and the plane crashed kind of violently, and it and it broke apart. So, and they're 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 finding parts of finding parts of the seat back, the little, you know, the framing that goes around the screen on the seat back in front of you. They're finding that. One man found that. They found that. They found parts of the on from the from the edges of the wing. They found things like that. And that's telling them the plane is not in one piece. You're looking for debris. And... A lot of situations and a lot of things have occurred. Now, can I say definitively that Captain Shaw committed committed suicide and committed mass murder and suicide? I, I can't, I can't definitively, you know, pound my fist and say yes, this is the result, this is what happened, because I don't know, I don't have enough evidence while there is mounting evidence against Captain Shaw, there is there isn't enough evidence for me to, like I said, to pound my fist and say, yes, this is 100% what happened, because I just don't know. I don't have enough evidence. And there's, but everything that leads up to that point and everything that, that detail gets you to that point makes you think, yes, this is what happened. This is what occurred to arrive at that point. The communications were switched off. Um every every documentary that I've seen and every research and stories that I've done are detailed about this event. Details what he was doing was intentional. Whatever I can, I don't know the man. I never I never heard of him, never knew him. I'm I refuse to pass judgment on the man. I don't I don't know him. Uh, but everything that has been evident and has been shown details that was what that is what was going on, and there he as he was flying as the plane hit, turned made a turn to go back over the Malay uh, back over the Malay Peninsula. He crossed by Penang Island was which is or the area around Penang Island, which is where he grew up and what he did what it says what, what, what detail shows what he did was he dipped the plane's wings kind of like an aerial salute to, to an era, to, to to the place you're going past that you're flying past he dipped his wings so that he could see Penang Island and that is viewed that was viewed as as his farewell his salute to Penang Island, and there's also so it, it indicates that he knew exactly what he was doing, and what he was doing wasn't it was an intentional. I believe, from what I've seen, that it was an intentional suicide. I I don't want to say so I'm sorry. I don't want to say I believe. I believe from all the evidence that I've seen, and like I said, I don't know the man. And I, I never have seen enough to indicate that I could know the man. But, and I don't know his motives. But the evidence that i presented with been presented with seems to show that his intention, whatever was going on in his life, um, his intention was suicide. And his training brought him to become a pilot. His training was everything that he knew as a pilot to do that. And to to be the easiest way from his training to get to that point, I think that that's that's that was his, that was his intention to go out in in what he viewed as a blaze of glory. Why else would he dip his wings to salute where he grew up? He was paying respect to his life and to a better part of his life that he or what he felt was a better part of his life that he wanted to remember, and he he intention and and he he was intending to do that what he what, what he didn't think out in that mindset i understand in that mindset you get nervous and you get to the point where you might not think as clearly as you would want to or as clearly as everyone thinks you should and he was going to do what he what he decided he wanted to do and he flying was his life his joy he knew how to do it and he knew he was taking a flight back to Beijing and that's the way the flight was gonna go. So he had to turn the flight, turn the plane away from uh, away from where it's normal set course over the Malay Peninsula and then back into the Southern Indian Ocean. And he he, th- he knew that that's what was gonna happen. And he knew that's what he was going to do. but. He didn't think too much of the fact that... I guess he didn't think that much about the fact that he would have so many passengers on board. 227, I believe. Um, And, I mean, I guess you're flying a passenger jet. You should assume that you're going to have people on board whether it's 3 or 227. Yeah, say what you want, make judgments whatever you want, but that's not my judgment. Like I said, I don't know the man. and And I never did, and never will. But it seems to me that that was his intention and his intention didn't seem to be to kill 227 people but that's what he had to do to get to his end goal and I think that's kind of how he thought of it no shame yes absolutely what is what is evident was what seems to be evident when he realized to, to get rid of, of witnesses maybe at some point during the flight, it's evident. It seems to be evident that the passengers had been killed. at At a certain point, when they're flying in a certain point of the, the the plane's flight, the passengers had been killed. What what Captain Shaw did, or what they're saying Captain Shaw did, was he turned off the life support into the into the back part of the plane, and he caused the into the back part of the cabin of the plane. Sorry. And he caused the oxygen masks to drop. Everyone, you know, put their masks on. And that one, and if you're at a certain height, like most people who climb K2 and have climbed Everest, will tell you, if you don't have sufficient oxygen for something that high up, you're you can suffer from hypoxia, and that's basically. Basically, when the body doesn't get enough oxygen, the oxygen needs to survive. You can suffer from hypoxia. And one of the, most, one of the first organs to be affected is the brain. So that's, that's what they believe happened. And they believe that one of the... They think that one of the motives that Captain Shod had was to make sure that should something happen where they might have witnesses who survived... The witnesses wouldn't be around to tell what had happened, and that's what they think Captain Shaw was thinking when he turned off the oxygen to the to the cabin. He put on his oxygen mask, and he survived long enough to to steer the plane towards where he intended it to go it's it's there's a lot of hearsay and a lot of thought about what had happened there's there's a diagram diagram well the diagram and a map here that i put into my notes and that i referenced uh from the wikipedia article that i was reading or that i'm referring to that will show you the flight path of MH370 now i i get it I totally get it. You want the the survivors the relatives the survivor the surviving relatives want answers. They want to know what the problem was, what the situation was, or was Captain Shaw to blame? It seemingly seemingly seems to be that yes, the answer to that is yes he was. And no one really knows why he did it or what could have led to him doing it there's a lot of things that seem to point to yes he was to blame Uh, they want answers and they want to know what happened and they want to know and they want to be able to find the plane and either bring parts of it back up or drag parts of it back up they want their loved ones back and if they can't have their whole bodies back they want pieces of them they want jewelry, they want rings they want something and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of and I understand that. I understand that sorrow and that loss of feeling great sorrow and great loss and I get all that. I'm wondering though, since this is such an enduring mystery and such an enduring thought Not only, what do you think happened? You can post in the podcast Facebook community. You can also email myself and the producers, uh, unctifiasco at gmail.com, and let us know kind of your thoughts on the disaster. What do you think might have happened? There's a lot of psychology that goes into why Captain Shaw did what he did. Um, A lot of people, like I said, a lot of people who knew him say that this is not who he was this is not the man that i knew and I, like i said i don't know the man i never will and i never never had but i can't definitively say well, one way or the other i just don't have proof it doesn't just there's just no evidence one way or the other there's a lot of hearsay and a lot of thought and a lot of a lot of investigations have gone into a um, Malaysia Airlines has suffered dramatically because of it. So have all the the, survi- the surviving family members, everyone. There's a lot of darkness and a lot of thought. And this is just a really, really engrossing and really, really intriguing mystery. And I can't get into it enough. I can get as much into it as I would like, because there isn't as much time in any episode but i hope it was interesting enough and i can get into it as much as i have it's just it's just really cool so thank you all for listening thank you all so much stick around for a little more in the end here want to check out the best podcast and best youtube channel out there true true friends of this podcast check out fantastic cruising over on apple podcast and all your favorite podcasting devices and services give them a five-star review head on over to youtube look up fantastic studios give them a five-star review and give them comments they'll love that to death they are the greatest podcast out there give them a shout out to check out the best travel vlogger and videos anywhere go to atlantic city disney six flags all along the atlantic city boardwalk and go to vegas check out the new york channel n-u-y-a-w-k on youtube you will be thoroughly impressed and thoroughly entertained you will love every second of what you're seeing go to youtube and check out n-u-y-a-w-k you'll love what you're seeing you'll enjoy every second of it want to check out the environment the climate the planet and everything we can do to have an impact on it check out city climate corner on all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcast, Spotify, on everything. You won't be disappointed. You'll enjoy and love what you're listening to.